Hi, I'm Andy Sohn. Camp Arcadia and Church Extension Fund are two of my favorite ministries. I came to camp for teen and family weeks and worked on staff there for four of the best summers of my life. I grew in mind, body, and spirit. CEF's mission to help build God's kingdom is integral to places like camp that make ministry happen. CEF provides loan and investment options for Lutherans and other ministries. To learn more about how you can get involved, visit mi-cef.org. Church Extension Fund, building the future in Him. Welcome to the 2022 season of the Arcadia Cast. Camp Arcadia's Dean and Lecturers program recorded live in the assembly during the 100th anniversary season. In groupings of episodes, we will feature each series of lectures shared during camp's 2022 season. So grab your cup of coffee and imagine Lake Michigan out the windows to your right as you tune in and join the camp community in listening and learning. yesterday, this whole restorative conduct. Let me just pinpoint that or bookmark that. Some of you have said that this must be a tough job. No, I love my job. So let me just put that out there. I love my job. I love what I do. Living on campus is probably the godsend to what I needed through this divorce with Concordia. I call it a divorce because it was. It was a separation or a permanent separation. Um, and then the death of my dad and then the move. So the move uh, was most recently. So I know how to have empathy and sympathy for someone. And this whole restorative conduct is, tell me what you want me to say right in this moment. Because as they're telling it, or as they're speaking something to me, uh, be it what they did one hour ago over the weekend, or through the course of this double freshman. So we had double freshman last year because of COVID. And it's hard for them to get, some of them, it's hard for them to get reintroduced into society because some of them were thrown into isolation like myself, uh, severe or over the top um, extrovert. And how do you introduce someone back into society that they have totally wrecked in isolation? Like, Tom, I'm mad at you, and I'm just ripping you a new one on the screen. And I'm hoping that the dots will appear that you're typing back. Or come on live. Come on live, and let's have this debate live. But then there came a time where you have to meet Tom face-to-face in the cafeteria. So give me the words to say. And sometimes that's just sitting in the moment with that student. Or sitting in the moment with that student that has offended a staff member that's now in line. 
And I'm not the savior of all. And I, and I was telling someone, I don't know who I was talking to yesterday, about being a pastor's kid. Through actions, I was taught to be the savior. That no matter what, it's still time. I mean, flip the screen, you have to smile. I mean, we can, we can argue all the way from the parsonage to, to the church. But once it's time to open those doors, it's on. They called me Nikki. Nikki, it's time for you to see. It's on. So no one really knew what we were going through. So I'm thinking of my past and what can I teach this current council culture, society, or students to seek forgiveness and how to walk along with that. Because not everyone enrolled in Concordia, spoiler alert, that are Christians. So how do I speak this Jesus talk to them when they don't know Jesus? So I'm out of Jesus. So sometimes I'm the Jesus they will ever see. So give me the words to say. And I usually say, um, is it okay if I pray with you, Valerie? Sometimes they say no. No, because who, who is this Jesus? Give me the words to say, Lord. And sometimes if I'm going to pray for my own sake, because what I've told you, I don't know what's right or wrong, that you have done X, Y, and Z. But I'm going to pray for my own sake, and I just ask that you listen. And sometimes I do. I pray like this see it. Pray like this to see, you know, I can, I can really lay this eye down low to see if you should be really holding your hand. And sometimes out of respect, take the hat off, and they just, they just look them down. And give me the words to say. And the words that come to mind is, and I said this in staff devotion, that Jesus loves you as much, much as he loves me. And I look into their eyes, and sometimes college students, I mean, we, we learn in education not to touch. Pass up where you don't touch. And I say, you know, mind. can I hold your hand? And you see how, how strong I'm holding your hand? Sometimes it's a male. It's an athlete, and I'm holding your hand, saying, I'll walk with you, but we're going to have to get through this. And God gives me the words to say. Now, that, that's not saying that I can't document. I, I'm, I'm typing, and I'm not a good, my husband knows that, I'm not a good writer, but I'm just, I get learned how to do bullet points. Billy said this, Ms. Mo said this. So give me the words to say, and the words to say is, but by the grace of God, there go I. Because I was once that mess into a miracle. And I'm still a work in progress. So I think that's how I get through what I'm going through right now. And I did not, and you talk about plan B, I never thought I would be in higher ed talking to people that's larger than I am, that's, that's much bigger than I am, that their parents have much more money than my Lutheran pastor and my mother being an educator ever had, but I can tell them my testimony. I can be vulnerable. 54, I'm in my sunset. I'm not trying to be the VP. And I can be raw, very raw with them, and say, Lord, give me the words to say. And sometimes you say, tell it all. And that way they come back. And that brings me to amazing grace. It's amazing grace that I'm standing here, literally. I won't go into, we don't even have enough time to say what I've been through in my life. But it's amazing grace 
that brought me just thus far. So why can't I help Tom out as a student? Why can't I help Melissa out as a student? Why can't I help John out as a student? Lord, give me the words to say and not to say. I said this yesterday. I was talking with someone in this very room about how do you do what you do and still have your sanity? And I go back to saying, someone helped me as a pastor's kid. You ask anyone to talk, talk, talk at Concordia University of Nebraska, we run in track, and how much of a mess I was coming as a pastor's kid into a rural Nebraska coming from Chicago and facing racism, um, and I didn't handle it well. I get an F. But when you get an F, at least you can't go anywhere but up. That's true. And I've, 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 I've dropped F-bombs, and I said, okay, you can't go anywhere but up from being here. So amazing grace. And I'm going to try to get the tune in my mind. Just bear with me. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that brought my liberty. I do not know just why he came to love me so. He looked way beyond my faults and saw my need. And I shall To view the cross where my Jesus died for you and me, and how marvelous the grace that caught mine. My falling soul, Jesus looked way beyond my faults and saw my need. So look beyond the faults, look beyond everyone. Thank you. And just look and say that Jesus loves this person as much as he loves me. I know that when I return next week, I'm faced with a lot of mommies and daddies that are releasing, that's what my email says, to Concordia University. And I need to look and say that Jesus loves them as much as they love me. And Lord, give me the words to say to these parents to let go and know that they are in good hands. And it's not going to happen to me. It's going to happen to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mrs. Nunes. So talented. Thank you, Monique, for hanging in there this year. Um, Judy 
Where are you, Judy? Thank you for your... Judy said that there is one billboard that she has seen that she thinks kind of gets it right um, around, you know, around the kind of uh, public proclamations of the faith. And it simply says, love everybody and let God sort it out. Oh, it's from God. Yeah, so, it's a, it's a, so God is saying, God says, love everybody. I'll sort them out later. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And uh, Dennis also had a good point at the break. He mentioned that in many cases, um, these groups like, um, what's the name of that Baptist church? Westboro Baptist, um, they don't see themselves as saying words that they think will they're not motivated to turn people around or to convert people or to bring people to Christ or to help people to know the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord they're motivated motivated because they see themselves you got to think kind of Old Testament prophet who just goes out and just condemns the world and I'm right and the world is evil and so they see themselves as being obedient. So this is really interesting because the word you used, Monique, was empathy. Um, in order to kind of understand where groups like that are coming from, you've got to kind of understand what their motivation and or intent is. And so if we think their intent is to bring people to Christ, we're entirely wrong. That's not their intent. So this comes from a study that was done... Converted and wrote a really powerful autobiographical piece in the New Yorker. And she so she was a member of like Westboro Baptist, yeah. and she deconverted, like left her, the church. Her grandpa is like the head honcho, right? And she explained in a real heartbreaking from an insider, life, an, an insider's insider perspective, perspective right? They saw themselves as the remnant prophet's voice, declaring God's judgment on the world gospel didn't play into it. They were the remnants. They were the chosen people, period. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. That's really helpful. Um, the Jehovah Witnesses would be very similar, right? They, if you, if, so for example, um, if you uh, reject a Jehovah Witness, that, that like is like a, a credit to them. They take that as, uh, they get a tick for that because that just proves that they are part of the righteous remnant and that the world is evil. Right? So th- Really good insights. Uh, thanks very much for that. Um, so a, a larger concern I have, and part of the work I'm doing with uh, the Bipartisan Policy Center and the Center for Re- Religion, Culture, and Democracy, is the erosion of the ability of people in the United States of America on many of these difficult issues to have meaningful and respectful, that's our word today, conversations with one another. And unfortunately and tragically and sadly, this uh, erosion has uh, permeated the church as well. So in Christian church settings, we are more mirroring the culture than we are, you know, kind of leading the culture in terms of our incapacity to have conversations across difference. And I, you know, and I think uh, part of the reason uh, we have fallen for this trap is that politics, in many ways, is more important to us than 
theology is to us anymore or religion is to us. Um, in other words, we're captive to a kind of political environment. So practical, I want to offer some practical ways to think about the nature of the conversation that we're having with other human persons. And to ask yourself, what kind of conversation am I having with this person? Is it a discussion, and there is time for discussion, or is it a debate, and there is a time and a place for debate? Or is it a dialogue that I'm really truly trying to enter into? So there are some marks of the way these discussions should happen. Um, in a uh, discussion, you're presenting ideas. In a debate, you're speaking in order to succeed or win or advocate, advocate for yourself. And in a dialogue, you're trying to broaden perspective. In a discussion, you tend to avoid feelings and try to deal with the facts. In a debate, you're denying, actually, the feelings of the other. 